this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong. Whoa, how about those election results from last night? I don't know if you're happy about them or if you're sad and dismayed or maybe perplexed, but I think it really makes a statement of of what's going on inside the United States of America. We have certain people who lost elections that, in my mind, should not have lost uh, their election. We have others who won that you just really scratch your head and you think, how, how, (laughs) how in the world did people like that person up in New York, that young woman, um, I I don't even want to say her name, the new socialist. She's with the Socialist Party of the United States. How does somebody like that win? And then you realize, ah, the Democrats, they outsmarted the Republicans in a number of different ways because they really worked the ground game. They really worked local politics. If they needed to run a loony tune like the young woman in in New York, uh, they knew that that's what they needed to do. If they needed to run someone who would play the game of pretending to be moderate uh, because they knew they had had to swing over some of those votes, well, that's exactly who they ran. And then... They worked an extremely brilliant ground game, something the Democrats, the good Marxists, are always up for is a good ground game. And so I feel like, though, I do have some insight that I can share as far as, you know, where do we need to go from here? Because to me, more than anything, we know that culture, uh, or rather politics, follows culture. And what this election, in my opinion, reflects is that we have a a very uneducated republic. And Thomas Jefferson, he wrote about that. And he wrote about what would happen. He said, if he, in fact, I'm reading a, from a letter that he wrote to George Wythe. He said, preach, my dear sir, a crusade against ignorance. Establish and improve the law for educating the common people. Well, therein we have the problem because our public school system has been taken over literally by the socialists, the communists, the progressives, all those words basically mean the same thing. Uh, and so our problem today is we've got multiple generations and they don't have a clue the 28 principles that made America great. Then we have this huge influx from immigrants, uh, which you know I have no problem with, but the problem is they're coming into our country. They're being swallowed up by the Democrat Party. Uh, the progressive left, progressive is another word for communist, the communist left, little do the uh, immigrants know. They don't understand what's going on when they come over and they get swallowed up by the Democrat Party. Uh, But what's happening is they're coming over, and as one of my guests uh, will, will highlight today, they're coming over, so they're moving to a new location, but they're not coming over to assimilate. They're just coming over to to try to live the way they lived before, uh, but hopefully with, you know, a better, rather a better life, but yet not assimilate into the culture, not assimilate into the language. 
And then they begin demanding, or so many people demand, that we're not even supposed to have borders. And so, folks, if you're listening to my show, just know that I stand for our country, and it is not a country if it does not have a common language, if it does not have borders and protected borders, and if it does not have a common culture. So if we have immigrants coming over, and they get swallowed up by the Democrat Party, by the Communist Party, and then they are undergirded to not even assimilate into our culture. We have a mammoth problem on our hands. Um, they're not understanding our Constitution. So, my guest today, I've got three guests, Trisha Powell, uh, who has a great perspective uh, from the uh, Hispanic vote, Latina vote, and then we have Leslie Blackwell, um, who is a reformed radical feminist, and then uh, first up, actually, is uh, Kaylee Long, who's the CEO of Endgame Political Consulting, and she has a super pack. All right, let's get the ball rolling. All right, my first guest today is Kaylee Long. Kaylee is a rock star. She's young, and she's moving mountains. Uh, she is the CEO of a political consulting group called Endgame, and then she's also the vice president of C3 Super PAC. And I asked Kaylee to come on the show today to talk about um, some of the elections that she and her team, uh, and she's got a, a pretty big field uh, field program team of door knockers uh, on the ground, uh, moving and shaking. And she has some amazing stories of what happened in Missouri, as well as Montana, Iowa, and Virginia. But Kaylee, welcome onto What If We've Been Wrong. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Carrie. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm amazed. The mm -hmm. idea that you come to DC and you're just Thank you're you. just slaying it. You're knocking them dead. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. I'm so glad you could share a few minutes today. So you and your team, you were involved with the with the Missouri election. Uh, walk us through some of the things that happened. Who were you campaigning for? And what happened? Because you've got mm -hmm. a really amazing story that I think yeah. all of America needs to hear this. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I had an awesome team of young people. Um, we came from all different backgrounds. Um, about 70% of my team was African-American. And this was one of the first times they'd ever been involved in a Republican campaign. They just simply said, our lives has gotten better under Trump. And they want jobs. Um, they don't want another program. And so we were able to rally them along with um, several other young people who um, had somewhat been involved or had conservative leanings, but had not necessarily ever worked on a campaign before. With the funding of C3 Super PAC, um, we were able to rally dozens of them. Um, within about three weeks, we knocked over 70,000 doors and still waiting for the final count, we might have reached 80,000 doors. We specifically targeted uh, low, low propensity Republican voters. And in one county that we really thought was pivotal to um, Josh Hawley's success, we targeted that initially, even though it was a, a Democrat county. And we won that county by 146 votes. Woo! So, um, that's awesome. It was, yeah, so it was really awesome. So, um, however, we met quite a few obstacles. We had about eight instances with the police where they kept trying to shut down our canvassers. Um, sadly, they only ever targeted and threatened to arrest 
our African American canvassers. In one instance, um, they asked one of our African American canvassers for his ID, even though he was doing nothing wrong. They were just surveilling wow. uh, a neighborhood, wow. and they um, put him in handcuffs and they took him away. <gasps> and they took him over to from I would say more the white side of town into um, the less white side of town, the not nice side of town, yeah. across the river near St. Louis. And uh, I got in my car and I went to go get him. <gasps> they said he had, when they arrested him, they said that he had a warrant out for his arrest. Yet when he got there, they just dropped him off. They did not jail him. And they gave him a white piece of paper with pencil written on it saying that he had rolled through a stop sign. Um, I can't remember if it was years or months ago. Um, Marquise said, he never remembered getting that ticket. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I know that they said he had a warrant, and yet they didn't jail him, and it just dropped him off. Were the police officers white or black? They were white. Okay. They were white police yeah. officers. Um, pick it. Okay, interestingly. Okay. Yeah. And um, I had three instances where my black canvassers were out, and the police said that they were engaging in illegal activity because they were canvassing without a permit. Um I went to the police station and I said, why are y'all continuing to threaten to arrest my black Republican canvassers? And they told me that we needed a permit. So I then said, all right, give me the permit and I'll sign all dozens, I'll sign all the dozens of canvassers I have out here. Um, in that area, I think we had about th over 30 just in that uh, county. I said, I'll sign all of them up for this permit. And his straw job and he walked out of the room and he came back 20 minutes later and he said, well, I don't know all the law, but y'all actually don't need a permit. Um, every time the police came to us or we would go in an area, or, or I should say many times, we'd call the police stations ahead and we would warn them. And we would say, listen, we have canvassers out. Um, they're just doing political canvassing. They're in these neighborhoods. Um, we are not soliciting. Um, please let them do their job and please let them get out the vote and please let them exercise their constitutional um, uh, right to mm -hmm. free speech. And, um, and uh, even despite us doing that, they would still come out and try to arrest our guys. Um, one officer said that, if, that regardless, permit or no permit, he was still going to stop anyone oh. that he thought looked suspicious. I said, what looks suspicious? He said, any blue-collar guy I see, um, or anyone that looks like that, he said, if they want to help themselves, they need to wear slacks and dress shoes and uh, a nice outfit. But it just so happens that two of our lead canvassers, who were African-American, had been wearing slacks, dress shoes, and button-up T-shirts to try to avoid suspicion. Wow. He said, make sure they're not out at night. We made sure they weren't out at night. As soon as it got dark, we pulled them out to avoid suspicion. So we've already been doing all that. Um, so, and uh, just, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was just yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. I can't remember. Yesterday or the day before. Sorry, I think it was the day before. Um, I had, after we've been going through all this, again, I had another team out and um, they knocked on a Democrat lady's door. She had a Claire McCaskill sign in her yard mm -hmm. and the lady used very vulgar, racist language at my guys. Um, police came up and they said, we're going to, uh, if you don't leave, we're going to arrest you for public harassment. Oh, and they were just canvassing. 
So I've had a very unique um, experience in Missouri. I'm so glad we won because we deserved that win because we worked so hard. I had guys that were knocking 400 doors a day. We knocked in the rain. There were days it was hailing. Um, it was cold. I had a guy get, I had to take a guy to the hospital for bronchitis. I had mm-hmm. several guys come up sick. We worked so hard in bad conditions. So I'm so grateful for the win in Missouri, but it was definitely well worked for. <laughs> well, the, tell, tell my listeners uh, what the, the impact that this has had on the, the African-American mm-hmm. canvassers that you had. These are young people experiencing mm-hmm. maybe for the first mm-hmm. time what it's like to try mm-hmm. to, well, I'll, I'll say it. I don't mind saying it. Try to pull people mm-hmm. off the Democrat Party plantation, because you know, I have personal experience mm-hmm. of doing the same thing. And there are there are plantation mm-hmm. masters, and they will do anything mm-hmm. to try to keep people voting mm-hmm. Democrat. They don't dare try, you know, allow them to get off that Democrat Party plantation. So have, I'm sure the young Mm -hmm. people have shared how this has impacted them. Were they shocked at what they were going through? Or had you prepared them that this is going to happen? You know what the saddest part was, is that they were not shocked. Wow. The saddest part was that they said, Kaylee, we fully expected this. We are very accustomed to this. Wow. And I was the one that wanted, you know, some sort of justice or right. restitution. And they were the ones that were the biggest person. And they came to me and they said, Kaylee, we have a campaign to win. Don't waste your time defending us. Spend all of that energy and go recruit more people to knock more doors. That's awesome. And they said, we, we have learned to live with it. And then that just motivated me more because... And no American should be accustomed to being surveilled or stopped without any cause. Yeah. No American should be accustomed to to having a different set of laws apply to them than does to another American. And when um, I think yesterday, the, the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and a few others picked up their story. And when I told them that, you know, there are people who will stand with them and they don't have to settle for violation of their constitutional rights. They were absolutely thrilled. They were so grateful. And I, for one of the first times, I saw real hope in their eyes. Right. And so um, I, I, I wish that they, I wish I would have saw surprise and shock in them, but I didn't. Yeah. So, right. Because they were, this is obviously, they're very accustomed to this. So, so what kind of information were your people sharing as they, so you said they were um, canvassing for Josh Holly and then mm-hmm. um, against Claire McClas- McCaskill. And so walk, walk us through the mm-hmm. information that you were sharing. Yeah. So uh, my team and, and I made up some flyers and on the back, it said drain the swamp and it had a picture of Claire McCaskill and then it had a, just a, a fact sheet. It was nothing on the sheet that we said was um, an opinion, right. but all of it consisted of facts. So um, fact number one, Claire McCaskill took 130, voted for her husband to receive $131 million in taxpayer funds in a government subsidy. Oh. Uh, fact number two, Claire McCaskill 
ignored more than 500 cases of domestic violence, including a case against her husband, who was her former political benefactor. Um, Fact number three, Claire McCaskill's net worth more than doubled while she was in the U.S. Senate. Um, Fact number three, Claire McCaskill was voted for late-term abortion. Fact number four, Claire McCaskill voted for Obamacare. Fact number five, Claire McCaskill voted to defund our border security. Um, And beyond that, which was not listed on the flyer but was a talking point, Claire McCaskill had recently said while on the ground here that she would be okay without a Second Amendment. And so those are the facts that um, we shared, and none of it was opinion, and we shared the bill numbers for everything that she had voted on. And, um, and, it, that, and that, so that was the Claire McCaskill piece. The Josh Hawley piece um, cited his record as attorney general. It cited his record as defending um, liberty when he defended Hobby Lobby in the Supreme Court case. Mm-hmm. Um, and his promises is promises to safeguard our constitutional rights and our state's rights. And that is the information that we were taking door to door. And it's amazing how people are so sold out to a political party label. It's as if truth Mm -hmm. doesn't matter anymore. That's what gets me. But the hope is just Mm -hmm. what you have with the young people. Um, I remember when I was knocking doors Mm -hmm. this election a few years ago in a minority community, and I met... Um, an African-American. He was an ex-offender. He had never Mm -hmm. had his voting rights restored. Mm -hmm. His first question to me was, are you a Democrat or Republican? And I smiled and I said, you know what? More than anything, I'm a Christocrat and I'm bringing truth because your votes have been taken advantage of for 28 years. And he looked at me like, hmm, what's a a Christocrat? Mm -hmm. And then um, I didn't feel like I got very far that day, but a couple weeks later, I was back in to the community and sharing four pieces of paper, just like you, just keeping with the facts, mm-hmm. not, you know, bashing personalities, not, you know, not making it personal, just mm-hmm. sticking with the facts. And I bump mm-hmm. into him. He, he was, I, I didn't know where he lived. He was mowing grass at his house. He saw me, he cut his lawnmower off. And he said, what do you have for me today, Terry? And I couldn't believe he remembered my name. And that day I had just mm-hmm. all the critical information, sparing all the details. But he looked at me and he said, I'm going to join your team. And I said, you're kidding me. You're going to join my team? I said, why? And he said, because nobody brings us this kind of truth a- anymore. And and he joined my mm. team, and he recruited other people to join my team. And this man who couldn't even vote, mm. he didn't want anything out of it. He never asked for money, anything. He distributed 3,500 vote against the incumbent you know, flyers. We weren't even promoting the, the his opposition we just said don't vote for for the current incumbent either don't vote or don't vote for him and um and it's the same kind of situation the the other candidate you know won by by a by a small margin but he won and what that really reflected in my opinion is how i mean he lost the the incumbent lost the 5000 vote lead that he always could count on for seven terms in the Virginia Senate so my mm. point is, is I just mm. want to commend you for what you've done. I'm, I'm, I don't know how, I don't know your backstory mm-hmm. of how you got going and all this. It's just outstanding. All right, let's swing over to Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened there? Because I know you were involved mm-hmm. with what one or two elections there. Um, just Matt Rosendale's race. Okay. So uh, C three Pack also had a field team in Montana, and um, we also did some direct mail in Montana. 
And again, I mean, one thing that I can speak for Montana that I couldn't necessarily say for Nevada, unfortunately, is Montana, like Missouri, uh, we had an aggressive field program and it paid off. Um, one thing I will say uniquely about Montana too is I, I will be frank. I'm so glad that Josh Hawley was elected, but Matt Rosendell was probably my most favorite U.S. Senate candidate running this cycle. Uh, Matt Rosendell is a libertarian friendly Republican, yet he is also strongly pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Montana being one of the most libertarian states in our union, Matt was able to capture that electorate in a way that I don't think a Republican candidate has been able to in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so excited to see Matt in the Senate because of those who have endorsed him, you know, I believe Senator Cruz, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, that brand of Republicanism um, that he's going to bring to D.C. is going to be something that I think we need more of, something that Republicans um, appreciate more. And um, so I, I think I think he uniquely represented that and that contributed to his win. And then and additionally, his, his field program, which our super PAC was also a big part of. Mm-hmm. Now, how many people did you have on the ground in Montana? For Rosendale, so in Mont, yeah, in Montana, I think there um, were only twenty five. Okay. I can, I don't have the exact number, but I think it was in that range. In Missouri, um, it was about, it was a little over forty. Um, so we had more than forty, but Montana has got a smaller electorate, right? Um, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty spread out state, so it's it's very hard to run a field field program in Montana um, (laughs) because it's so rural right Um, but we were able to do it and um, I'm just so and a lot of people had a part in electing this guy I know the kind of the conservative uh, election force was behind him I believe I think Club for Growth and Mm -hmm. Citizens United and all these other groups so I just think the whole conservative movement in general saw this guy and said yes this isn't just a mouthpiece this isn't just a talking point, um, Matt really believes in this. Okay. <laughs> so he's going to be a fighter. And just, he's my, I'm just so thrilled he's elected out of um, all these Senate candidates. Well, I'm excited too. I did have the chance mm-hmm. to meet him briefly when I was out in Montana. And we are out of time, but mm-hmm. Kaylee, um, and again, she's the CEO of Endgame Political Consulting and the vice president of C3 Super PAC. And I just think you're an outstanding example, and you give us hope because you're young, and you're successful, and you're you're conservative. You believe in the Constitution and limited government, government and personal responsibility, and most importantly, you believe in the sanctity of all human life. And you're fighting for those kinds mm-hmm. of candidates on the mm-hmm. local level, state level, federal mm-hmm. level, and I know mostly on you know on the federal level. Uh, but uh, God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for being on today. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. 
award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Leslie Blackwell. Leslie is an effective communicator. She's been a, a radio and a TV host on North Carolina, Virginia, and D.C. channels as well as radio. She's interviewed thousands of people and exposing... Um, really the the toxic world that we live in today and this is all going to tie back to the election because we're going to be talking about the election results. Um, She identifies herself as a reformed radical feminist. She nearly became one of the board members of the local chapter of Planned Parenthood in Richmond, Virginia when the light went off when she realized what a a huge mistake she had been making over the years well, you can find out more about Leslie on leslieblackwell.com. But, Leslie, thank you for being on the show today. And I'm looking forward to really splicing and dicing uh, from a, a, a reformed radical feminist position what just happened yesterday in these election results. So, Leslie, welcome to What If We've Been Wrong. Well, it's great to be with you, Terry. As always, you and I are fellow warriors in this, yes, this war of culture, aren't we? We, we are, and, and we're battling it in multiple different ways. And, and I think before we get into the specifics, you know, because I'd like to look at a few things, just what happened in Virginia, and then also maybe highlight what happened down in Georgia in that governor race. But you identify yourself as a, a reformed radical feminist, and we know the Democrat Party wants every single woman's vote. Can you shed some light on the, this, this you know, feminist politics and what's going on today? Well, sure. I mean, uh, just read the Democratic, Democratic playbook, um, divide, divide, divide. I think they were pretty effective this midterm election season with um, pulling out the, you know, the, the race card, the woman card, the Islamophobe card, the transgender, you know, all the things that divide us. But I think they really... Um, they, had, they, they specifically went after women in the suburbs, uh, Terry, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, I, I recently did a blog with, uh, one of my, my sisters with, uh, Silent No More, the Silent No More awareness campaign. And, and I woke up one morning and I said, we've got to talk to women. We've got to get the truth out. I think what's happened is there's so many angry women out there. Um, you see them at the march, you know, that, that, uh, the, the women's march, if you will, they're all angry and I keep trying to peel it back. Why are they angry? You see, I was one of those angry feminists years ago. I think a lot has to do with issues with men and there's abandonment issues. Look at our families have all crumbled, you know, over the last 40 years, uh, you've got, what, 60% divorce rate. So a lot of dads are leaving the home. So you got little girls that are abandoned by their dads. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them. When that happens, you've got abandonment issues. And those little girls look for love in all the wrong places. That's right. I think when the family, I think when the family structure, uh, you know, crumbles, what happens also is that you leave these children vulnerable. Moms out there, these single moms trying to work one, two, three jobs. So that leaves our children vulnerable. 
So they're vulnerable to attacks, to abuse, sexual abuse, a lot of sexual abuse, Terry. Mm -hmm. In my work with um, post-abortion healing, I mean, uh, there's not too many women I talk to that haven't been sexually abused. And it's not just women. There's a lot of men as well. And that's because, you know, as we've talked many times about the over-pornified world that we live in, that worldview, that hypersexualized, pornified world. But back to the angry women, I also think then the women, you know, these young girls, they get into their adolescent years, maybe they've been abused. Then you get into the abortion issue, you know. Many of them experience unintended pregnancies because our culture, hey, you know, all that free sex, baby, how's that going for you? Well, they're left with STDs. They're left with, you know, unintended pregnancies. And one thing I I do know is that when a woman experiences abortion, oh boy, you know, you're going to have some uh, consequences, both emotionally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, you know, all, all the gambit. Then divorce. Look at how many women are divorced. They're angry with their men there. Well, right. And then last, I mean, there's what about the Me Too? Well, let let me tie this. I want to tie it back in because I can only imagine a listener right now is like, well, what does this have to do with politics? Connect that dot really quickly because someone may be thinking. Angry women. I think angry women. That's what we're seeing. And And the Democratic Party went after all the suburban women, went after women. Telling them, oh, your rights. They always go back to that reproductive rights. You're going yep. to take all your reproductive rights away. Yep. And here. and so you got all these gals that secretly, and one thing I do know is so many women keep those deep, dark secrets of sexual abuse, of abortion, keep them tucked away deep down in the recesses of their soul, boy. They don't want to talk about it. And it takes women. So they're angry. That's, that's to me, what was, um, and, and, and they played on it, the Democratic party really played on it. Well, that's part of their playbook is and to divide my- and conquer. I mean, they have they divide by race, they divide by gender, they divide by religion, they divide by, you know, class warfare. So this is one more way the Democrat party, the Marxists, the progressives, the socialists divide and conquer. So the women are actually they think they're getting somewhere by, you know, voting for some whatever pro-choice democrat but in reality, they're really being used as a pawn in a game that's so much bigger than 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 absolutely what they're thinking. And you know, Terry, I think that I think that Donald Trump too is a trigger for these women. Sure, he is. I think when they, you know, yeah, he's a trigger. So anything having to do with Donald Trump, our president, uh, they're going to go against. Well, okay. um, Abigail Spanberger, who just beat uh, our incumbent Dave Brett here in the seventh district of Virginia. I mean, it was it was a nail biter, but I saw for uh, really. I mean, they started. They they were well organized. I got to give it to them. They were well organized. They recruited a lot of women. Yep. Former military. She has a CIA background. Uh, she she's a mother. You know, she appealed to a lot of women, and so I mean, I heard the rumblings here in in Richmond, Virginia. I heard, hey, have you heard Abigail Spanberger? Oh, she's good. She's a woman. She's former, you know, law enforcement. She's a mother. She's who we need. But yet, Terry, you'd never really hear too much about her policies. You didn't hear much about it. It was just all her ads and all that money that came in. Oh, my gosh. Millions upon millions from the Democratic National Party, from Hollywood, right. from 
Planned Parenthood, NARAL, all this. They flooded money, not only here in Virginia, but in Georgia, in in um, Florida, Texas. My God, I mean, it was the money that flew in. And so as a result, like Dave Brad here, he I think at one point he told me they were uh, the Democrats were out spending them seven to one. Right. And so as a result, this city of Richmond, where I am in central Virginia, it, it, I started seeing all the Spanberger uh, yard signs popping up in my neighborhood, the bumper stickers right. everywhere. And, and, and I, I really got concerned and I even said something to the Dave Brat campaign. You know, you guys better be, you better be aware what's going on. And, uh, well, you know, he gave it a valiant effort, but doggone it, uh, Abigail Spanberger got in there and she's painting herself as a moderate Democrat, but we know where that's going to go. No, and, and you know, the, the scoop is out on her about even, what is it, being in, teaching in radical uh, Islam mosques or something like that? Do you know the back? It was a school that? in Northern Virginia. It was a school in Northern Virginia yeah. that... Uh, that she uh, and she also was very deceiving. Uh, she a appeared in the front row at a town hall meeting where uh, Dave Brett was speaking. And it's very interesting. If you go to his website, you'll see it. But she she really tried, you know, the whole health care issue is what the Democrats wanted to. They felt that that was going to be their big uh, um, ace in the hole. Right. And she really tried to instigate and, and, and it was misleading. She was misleading voters saying that the Republicans were not going to approve, you know, any pre-existing conditions. It was right. very misleading and, and, and outright lying. Dave well, the, Brat the at that, that town hall. Right. At well, that town hall, he read straight from the bill that, that the Republicans would not you know, mess with any of the pre-existing conditions. But you see, deceiving, lying, they'll do anything in order to get power. Well, a good Marxist do. will lie to get from point A to point B, and it doesn't matter how many lies, the extent of the lie, or how many people are hurt. It doesn't matter as long as they can go from point A to point B. And what I like to say is when Obama said, hey, you'll be able to keep your health care, that was the biggest ball of bull crap I've ever heard. You know, because the first oh, yeah. thing I did was Or how about Harry Reid years ago when Mitt Romney was running? Do you remember him saying about that he never paid taxes? Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, and then when, when Harry Reid was actually asked about that comment, you know, kind of shrugs his shoulders and says, oh, you know, oh, well. Exactly. They don't care. They See, don't care. Well, the thing that gets me too, Leslie, is... Women, I mean, I mean, even look at the Kavanaugh thing. It's the the people in power play the emotional um, feelings of mm -hmm. women, and it's like women, women of America. I wish I, they'd all hear me say this, women of America. What about the fact that right now we've got four million new jobs, four hundred thousand new manufacturing jobs? The economic growth is over four percent. What else is it? Unemployment in any bracket that you want to look at. It's at the lowest of all time. And then 3.9 yeah, the report last week, uh, Terry, 250,000 new jobs. Yeah, exactly. And oh my so gosh, they didn't they didn't focus in on the on the, you know, the economy as ex much. And women That's my point. again, they don't they, yeah, they didn't really care. It was more about they go after the emotional and I go back like even with the Kavanaugh hearings. Now, I grew up in D.C. I was part of that Catholic 
<laughs> high school. Yeah, you knew a lot uh, of these people, didn't mafia, you? Mafia, if you will. Yeah. Oh, I knew a lot. And in fact, I was at an event this past week uh, running for um, a brain tumor society event, big fundraiser, and a lot, 57 of my old buddies came down to support a friend of ours who has a brain tumor. And I was talking with one of the guys, and he, he actually serves, he goes to the same parish as, as Kavanaugh. And I was so incensed during those hearings because they painted Judge Kavanaugh as, you know, an alcoholic, uh, you know, Catholic, uh, out of touch, uh, womanizer, you know, that he was raping women. I was so incensed because that's not how I grew up. Sure, we had fun. We drank a beer before we'd go into a dance like most teenagers. But it, but how they painted him was absolutely ludicrous. And, and, and so, again, see, I go back to my initial premise about those angry women. Any woman that has been sexually abused, that has been raped, that has been harassed, you see what happened? Everyone wanted to, to support Christine Blasey Ford because, you know, everyone wanted to believe her. And well, now look at what we're finding out. Chuck Grassley. I mean, we are filing major investigations against some of these women that have come forth. They've admitted that they lied. Right. And I've always believed that Christine Blasey Ford, I do believe, like most of us, something happened to that woman. There's no doubt. But I always thought it was a case of mistaken identity. And I just read an article the other day that is showing that two men have come forward and said that they believe they were the ones that did it. Oh, my God. It's a case gosh. of mistaken identity. Oh, yeah. Lord. Well, yeah. okay, now back to the election. On Georgia, yeah. look what look what the Democrats tried to do in Georgia. They, they bust in Oprah and uh, bringing in all oh, the yeah. high shooters and... But there, it didn't work oh, Will for Farrell, them. My good friend in Atlanta was talking about how Will Farrell was down there. She she kept texting me, goes, what's Will Farrell doing here in Georgia? <laughs> what's going on? Oh, my gosh, I know. They had P. Diddy. Did you see P. Diddy was with Gillum the other day, you know, bringing out all the – he's like a, an Obama wannabe. I mean, okay. the guy's got some good communication skills. I'm, ta I'm sorry. I'm talking about Florida there. I'm talking about Stacey Adams. Um, or Abrams, yes, in Georgia. She was the one that brought in all these celebrities, right. Oprah. But, you know, we go back, Terry, politics is local. Politics always is local. And so you can bring in all these people, and it might, you know, impress some people, but, but look at the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. You know what I think, didn't, Leslie? Didn't work, is did it? We have, yeah, absolutely. Well, it didn't work there, but, hey, we, we you know, the Republicans That's still That's Swift in Tennessee. Oh. Taylor Swift in Tennessee trying to hurt Marsha Blackburn. Yep. There's another one. Yep. So the celebrities and all their money really didn't have a huge impact. It might have impressed a lot of people, but the bottom line is politics are local. Right. I think the Republicans, Leslie, they miss so many opportunities. And this is on the local level. You know, I have no, I mean, God would really have to make it clear that I was to ever run for political office. You know, I love, I love immersing myself in politics. I don't see myself ever being a politician. Um, he'd have to make it really, really clear. But so when I frame it like this, if I was a politician, if I was elected, I mean, I know they're busier as all heck when they go to DC, but there's a missed opportunity. The two years for a congressman or six years for a senator, they need to start. The people who 
the politicians, you know, if, if there are any statesmen up there, they need to use their term as an educational platform. Somehow, some way, back home on the local level, they've got to get their shoes back on the local mm -hmm. level and go reach out to those markets. If I was a politician, one of the first things I'd do, if, you know, in, I'm a Virginian, first thing I would do would be to go into the minority market and expose Margaret Sanger's yeah. Negro Project. You know, her 1939 you know project, what? still in fact but, but today. Uh -huh. As you and I know, truth is always uncomfortable. How many years have we been working to try to expose the truth about Margaret Sanger in the black community? We know that, you know, there's, an, there's a, a brand new Planned Parenthood coming to Richmond, Virginia, in the East End. Where is it? In the, you know, very uh, African-American area. There's already a pregnancy resource center there. They're quietly just announced that. Very interesting. They target that. But you're right. But it's, again, those I go back to those angry women and truth. If they've been, if they have experienced abortion, which let's look at the numbers, one out of every three of us, one out of every four. So basically a quarter of the population of women and men, because it does take two to tango, men are involved as well. They're hypersensitive. They don't want to know that truth. To me, it's only God that can finally bring them to truth. And the most important thing is bring them to healing. Because once they're healed, like I was, going through a, an incredible program, and I continue. Well, and actually, you, you I, would, start I would argue. Realizing with... what you did, you know, and then you, you change. Well, That's why I went from that radical feminist right. to now I walk with Christ. I work uh, you know, tirelessly for pro life issues. Because I, I see the damage, the destruction of what it does oh, to yeah. women and men. Well, and the political One other thing violence. I wanted to say, you were talking about these politicians, uh -huh. that, you know, what they need to do. What really bothers me, and this is it's reprehensible, our congressmen are spending up to four hours a day, Terry, as they're up in D.C., they have to go and raise money. Yeah. How much can they get done? How much can they get done when they're having to go over to one of the buildings, you know, for the U.S. House, and they have to sit there and smile and dial and raise money? Right. So the people's work is not getting done. No. And, and, and if I had it my way, we would reverse the 17th Amendment, you know, which restructured what our founding fathers, how they laid out that Constitution and the reportability, the accountability. You know, it, it was never yeah. set up where we vote for our U.S. Senators. They were supposed to have been voted, like it say in the state of Virginia, in the, in the General Assembly, which would have kept those strings attached to the local to the local market. Now that's been severed. Absolutely, and, and that's the root. You know, of you think about all the, the money when they were. I just heard where the the amount of money was the most expensive senatorial campaign in history down in Texas with Ted Cruz. Nespito O'Rourke, Beto, whatever right. his name is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Patrick, I think his real name is Patrick. <laughs> but at any rate, I just cringe at the thought, the millions upon millions that were spent on that oh, yeah. election. Can you imagine if we spent that money on our homeless, on our veterans, on our yeah. opioid addicted people? Right. You know, you look at San Francisco, you look at all these great, beautiful inner cities, the states where there's feces, where there's, you know, addicted people living on the streets. Right. I have a homeless sister, Terry, 
I'm incensed that I can't even get uh, enough services for my own sister. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, our illegal immigrants, these caravans that are coming in, man, the minute they get here, they get a heck of a lot more than than my own sister, who's who's literally was born and raised here in America. Oh, so, yeah. just yeah. a lot of things. You know, a lot of things has got to change. But it just, I cannot believe how much money has been spent. And just imagine if that money was filtered into really worthwhile causes to help our country. And that's a perfect way to wrap up this interview with you, Leslie. I appreciate you being on the show today, and we will definitely have you back. Uh, You're a fountain of information. I love your passion, and thanks for being on. What if we've been wrong? The Out Loud Perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and living an out loud life on AmericaOutloud.com. Blitz your news and entertainment network where you can listen 24-7 on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trisha Powell, I am so glad you're with me today. And with your background moving to the United States from Puerto Rico um, Island, um, you have a very unique perspective of what's going on. And so what I want to do is just take a few minutes today to get your take on the election results and, and your opinion of really what's at play, what's at stake um, for the United States of America if we do not wake up. So uh, welcome on to What If We've Been Wrong. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, there's so much to say, but there's so little time. So So walk us through how the Democrat Party and the Marxists are using, uh, you know, Puerto Ricans and, and why Puerto Rican values really are better represented in the Republican Party as opposed to the Democrat Party. I think, and this is where our failure is, um, for the conservative movement. And I don't um, want to say GOP or Republican, but for conservatives, people as a whole that want to uphold conservative values and conservative America. Um, One of the biggest problems that we have is that we do not, we truly do not connect to, uh, we don't know how to connect to people. We really don't. And Marxists do. Marxists do. God bless them. They do. (laughs) Um, But, in, in, in the Hispanic market, and you and I have talked about this for years, I said people are not paying attention. Puerto Ricans, unlike other Hispanic populations, Puerto Ricans are born with citizenship. And I don't know how many people realize that, whether it's connected, how they've connected the dots or not connected the dots, but when they land on American soil, they can vote. There's, they, they don't they don't have to go they take their ID they go register to vote they're done they can vote and when Hurricane Maria happened um, the socialist the, the the fact the socialist policies that have impacted Puerto Rico were visible visible I mean just so clearly visible but when you have a populace that is educated to believe in um, free stuff and in handouts and that's the way that I get a leg up right 
You have a population that's educated erroneously, and here they are. Um, and, and we, and not, and not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe, you know, when water is sitting on tarmacs, I mean, Americans, uh, the the American government did their job. They sent the ship, the 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 hospital. They sent supplies. Once it got to Puerto Rico, again, this is socialism in action. Nobody wanted to do the work. Nobody wanted to do the work. Are you serious? Um, that's just the root of the problem? This is new to me. Okay, so you mean it literally. That's... Oh, well, what happened was there, there was a whole tarmac with water and supplies. Okay. And it wasn't moving. It wasn't moving. Um, I remember when, it, when, when Maria first hit, and they were bringing the docks of all things that the hurricane could have ruined. The docks were intact, which is a god thing so they're bringing the ships they're bringing the docks but the truckers because they're union workers would not move the material they oh, wouldn't move it goodness, and so okay. there, there was a lot a lot of politics a lot of stuff that i don't know all the details to but there was a lot of contention i mean there was a point where the mayor of San Juan was standing in front of a stack of food water and screaming at trump we don't have anything. I'm sorry. You should have not done the photo op with all the food and supplies behind you. Right. Okay. <laughs> now, because our time is limited, I want to connect this back to, let's just look at Florida. What happened? I've got the numbers in front of me. Well, because you've got all these Puerto Ricans that migrated to Florida. Right. right? They all migrated to Florida. They all have this socialist idea. And they're all angry that they were not taken care of. And because they're not educated in civics, in policy, because that's how you keep a populace in bondage. You don't give them the education. You don't teach them logic. You don't teach them civics. So they're not educated. I have sat down with my sister, who lives in Florida, and walked her through how policy is made, etc. And she looks at me like in this, you know, deer in the headlights. So she has no understanding. No and she's my age, but she grew up on the island. Exactly. And she has no understanding. So, so, so there's a clear distinction in how they're being taught right and so when you have all these people migrating right they come but they still come with those policies in their brain and they still come with that idea of well the government is supposed to take care of me the puerto rican government is corrupt they didn't know how to take care of me so now i'm going to come over here and this government is going to take care of me and whoever can promise more free stuff is who gets their vote well, Tricia, what needs to happen if you were in control of changing the dynamics uh, to get the population educated? If you were to, do, if you yourself were to take over Orlando, what would you be doing? <laughs> no, seriously. If if money was no matter, if time was no matter, and you know you're not busy homeschooling your kids, I, I would, <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? What's the solution? I would. Do I would do what I do now, and um, as a worldview teacher, because that's what I do now. I I think I think sometimes Christians forget we 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 don't see the importance in really rooting and grounding our children in the Word of God. Because even the Word of God, one of the Ten Commandments, God says, "Thou shalt not covet." Why is that so important? Why is that in the Ten Commandments? Because Marxism is an ideology of greed and envy. And so we confuse compassion for 
covet, I can't even say the word, covet, covetousness. Yeah. We confuse those two and we get them convoluted. And we really, really need to start understanding terms. And I think it would be more of an education of sitting down with Hispanics that because Hispanics are very passionate <laughs> and, and they're very energetic and they're extremely passionate, but we have to educate them to direct that energy appropriately. But by the way, you do fit those two descriptions: <laughs> passionate and energetic, <laughs> uh, to the T. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I'm not screaming; I'm just passionate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we know that language border and culture defines a country and that's what the Marxist left is trying to completely destroy those those attributes so language absolutely border they want open borders and then the I mean you hit it on the head the way you described a culture it's like all they want to do is pack up and move to a different location but keep their same culture and that's not what a country a unified a, a unified United States is all about Okay, so, but, but again, let's go back, because I want to address, you know, the solution. So you're saying, number one, teach, you know, parents need to be teaching their children the Word of God. But the problem is, even a lot of the parents who are Christians, who think they know the Word of God, they're still falling in the trap of socialism, because they don't know it themselves. Oh, absolutely, because they're confusing compassion for coveting. They're confusing the two. Even, like I said, the scriptures tell us, even when in the parable of the rich fool, the, um, he goes to him and says, tell my brother to share. Make him share. And God says, uh, no, because it's coveting. So we don't even understand. There's a difference between compassion and coveting. And what the, those two are being, are being meshed together. And Christians, because they don't even understand their own theology, don't understand that there's a difference. I can be very compassionate and still believe in law and order and in and in proper policies that put people to work instead of people to receive a check. I can still do all those things and be very compassionate. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we need to educate people. We need, you know, we need to love them with the love of Jesus, obviously, but also really educate them because when you're hungry, like these people were on my island, I mean, it was terrible to watch. I mean, I, I looked at pictures of the street, uh, the highway right off my street of the lights, these cement gigantic lights laying across the highway. I mean, one of the schools I went to was destroyed. So it's really heartbreaking to watch your neighborhood where you grew up and all of this mess, right? But, and when you're hungry, you know, literally physically and emotionally and spiritually, you know, it's like whoever sticks that pacifier in your mouth first quiets you down. Yeah. And Marxists are absolutely, I mean, they walk around with binkies, for lack of a better word. Yeah. If this is a good visual for people, they walk around with binkies. And That's a the minute, great analogy. you know, they, people start screaming that they're hungry, boom, they <laughs> but they're not getting fed. They're not getting fed. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's true. I mean, and, and let me drive the point home here, because look at the Florida numbers. Um, uh, the new governor will be, you know, Ron DeSantis, but he only won by just a hair. His The vote yes. was 49.7%. Yeah. He had 4.05 million votes, and Gillum had 49%, which was 3.99 million votes. It was just a hair. Absolutely. And, and that's the power of the Hispanic vote, that people are not 
paying attention to. Well, and when Hispanics are hang, hangry, yeah, <laughs> when hangry. they're hungry and angry, <laughs> when they're hangry, hungry. they're not. They don't think too well. Angry. <laughs> hangry. Oh they're my gosh. Thinking. Okay. So passionate because they're, they're angry. But passionate, energetic, and don't get in a hangry Hispanics way. <laughs> And with that, we're going to wrap up this interview. Um, Trisha, I you've got a gift of words. I mean, for, for a, a girl who came to, came to the States, obviously you're already an American, a girl who came to the States, um, who knew very little English, you've got a way with words. And I tell people I was already an American citizen, but when I came to live in the United States, right. my mother said, okay, we have, to, we have to assimilate. We're in a different culture. And so it was a big difference, right? And I, that still never took away who I am. I am a Hispanic. I am proud of my heritage. I love my country. I'm proud of my people. I love everything about my culture. But when I came here, I assimilated to this country and the laws of this country. And I learned how to speak English. <laughs> there we go. All right. So border, language, and culture, and you've definitely assimilated and you rock. And so again, Trisha Powell, she teaches worldview education for Apologia. She's teaching students all over the United States. I encourage you to go on to Apologia. Uh, check it out. Uh, she's changing hearts and minds and giving young people the most amazing, solid foundation and what made America great because of the worldview education um, that she's giving them. All right, Trisha, thanks for being on, and we'll have you back on soon. Thank you. All right, and for the rest of you listeners, I thank you for tuning in today. This is going to wrap up um, the election overview, and let's pray for our country, and let's get back to the basics. And the basics are um, what made America great. Now, America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. We have to get back into the Word of God, and we really need to get back to basics, understanding the difference between compassion and coveting what your neighbor has. All right, thanks America. 